and welcome to this bonus episode of Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and for this episode, we have something a little special. On May 6th, the highly anticipated Captain America Civil War hits U.S. theaters, but it's already been released in Australia. So, our frequent guest, and in this case, special Australian correspondent Hamish, has been kind enough to see the movie for us and leave us this spoiler-free review. And who am I kidding? You know he's going to see it anyway. So, anyway, without further ado, take it away, Hamish. Hi there. My name's Hamish, or Silent Hamish, if you find me somewhere out there on the internet. And now today, on the Hitting Play podcast, I'll be talking about Captain America Civil War. Now, Captain America Civil War is the 13th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I swear is getting bigger and bigger every year. It was released internationally on April 27th, 2016, and it's going to be released on May 6th, 2016. Now, this film was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, and it's a follow-up to basically their other film that they did, it was Captain America Winter Soldier. And so it has a certain tonal shift that's kind of carried on from that movie and Age of Ultron. And so this movie is kind of a culmination of those kind of ideas and pushing forward to a new direction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The characters are more world-weary, the characters have actually grown, and what we've learned from the previous movies has really come together in this one film. Now this film is a large, big story. It's got a lot of moving parts, a lot of different characters, but it comes together really well at the end product. Now, I can't spoil too much, because this entire thing won't be filled with spoilers. I mean, I am quite hyped about Spider-Man, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's just talk about the story. Now, this film takes place after the events of Sokovia, so the world saw the Avengers again save everybody. But this time, it was because, well, Tony Stark made a murder bot that nearly killed everybody. So he's taken more of a behind-the-scenes role, and he's providing them with equipment, money, all that kind of stuff, just to keep the Avengers going. At the beginning of this film, we find a group of Avengers, led by Steve Rogers, with Black Widow, the Falcon, and Scarlet Witch. They're on the trail of Crossbones, who we saw in Winter Soldier being smashed in with an entire building. So he's kind of peeved, and he has his own plans. And his plan is to basically set off a biological weapon to destroy people. Now, obviously, the Avengers step in, they take care of it, but there's a certain cost. Things don't exactly go the right way. And the Avengers are to blame for the casualties that are involved. And plus, news outlets start questioning the real purpose of the Avengers and what they actually mean. This is when Tony Stark seems to have a certain shift in his personality, where he starts kind of looking at the team and seeing that they are weapons. They could cause more destruction. And so he calls an old buddy, who we saw in The Incredible Hulk, back when Bruce Banner had Edward Norton's face. Anyway, it's General Ross, but this time around, he's Secretary of State, and he's demanding that the Avengers sign the Sokovia Accords. This will mean that the Avengers actually will be controlled by the government, told where to go, what to do, all according to the administration at the time. Now, this doesn't gel well with Steve Rogers, which can understand if he saw Winter Soldier. He can understand the government can be controlled and manipulated from the inside. So he doesn't want to sign this. He doesn't want to be a puppet to the government. Yet Tony Stark believes they have to be kept in check. And obviously, with the government's backing, they could probably get a lot more done. But Steve doesn't see it that way. He sees that the government will have their own ideas, and will send them into places that they don't want to go. And this is where the conflict of civil war starts brewing from this point onwards. 
the characters have two different ideologies, and they want to go in two different paths. They want the same thing, but they want it in different ways. Which you can understand if you had one friend who wants one thing and you want another, that they you butt heads and situations can get out of hand. Especially with superhero characters, they can get crazily out of hand. Which it does in this film. Making the teams fall into a situation where they have to battle each other. In a really epic battle at an airport. I'm not saying people should normally fight at airports, but this is a, a big battle, even for a comic book movie. And it's quite interesting to see it happen because these characters are, are differently matched in different ways. That doesn't seem to make sense at first, but when you see it on screen, you see that, you know, Hawkeye and the Vision fighting, and you see characters like Ant-Man and Iron Man fighting. And it really makes your inner child go insane, reminding you of playing with action figures and smashing them together and coming up with just crazy stories. And that's the thing about this movie. The story is well-written and well-put-together. It has a logical progression. You can follow it. It makes a hell of a lot more sense than Batman vs. Superman, I gotta say. I'm not trying to be biased about Batman vs. Superman, but if you've ever seen that film, Batman vs. Superman, uh, this film is basically a masterclass to show you how you do it the right way with superheroes battling. Especially putting in their motivations and their reasons behind why they should fight in the first place. It's kind of a mixture between a political thriller in one way and also a typical superhero film. But it kind of raises the bar for other superhero films as well. For the fact that you're not just putting in characters for the sake of fans. Or just putting in characters because you have them. You're giving them a logical reason why they have to be there. And each character is given the reasons why they want to fight, or why they should fight, or why they need to fight. So it's a fantastic piece to actually understand the cost of being a hero. It's not a simple save the day and you go away. There's leftover bits and pieces from that. And you actually have to understand that being a hero involves a lot more than just being this object and being a symbol to people. It's a lot more to it. And this film actually really shapes that idea and uh, changes it. Especially for the fact that if there are kids watching this movie as well. Remember, this is still technically a kid's movie as well. It takes the idea of what a hero can do and what they should do. And I think it's fantastic. You can learn a lot from this movie. Now, talking about heroes, there are two new heroes in the fold of the Avengers. Uh, being that Chadwick Boseman, who is playing the Black Panther, and... The brand new Spider-Man, or now the proper Marvel Spider-Man, played by Tom Holland. And seeing these two characters uh, appear on screen adds, I don't know, a different dimension to the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because the Black Panther, uh, if you know anything about him, is a king. He's royalty. And he's also a superhero. And he's taken this mantle, which the Black Panther is, like... The Phantom. If you ever read the Phantom comics, it's basically, you know, if one Phantom dies, his son will take up the reins and become the new Phantom. Uh, and so in the story, you have the Black Panther, who's taken up the role of the Black Panther from his father, obviously. And it's interesting because the fact that, you know, his character is, I guess, if he goes internationally to different countries and fights crime, I guess he has some sort of diplomatic immunity, doesn't he? He surely has, right? But it's interesting to see his character play out on, on screen. Uh, they give you a taste of his story in this film, and they set him up logically so you can understand his motives to be in this film. Uh, he's also a, a political character, and he's also a character who seems to understand the world. 
Now, obviously, Black Panther's introduction here is to create his own solo movie, which is, I believe, coming along pretty quickly soon after this film. So it'll be interesting to see how they actually develop his character from Captain America Civil War. He does get quite a bit of character development in this film, but it'll be interesting to see how they carry it on to his own solo movie. And the other hero getting his own brand new solo movie is the brand new Marvel Spider-Man, played by Tom Holland, who makes a fantastic entrance into this Marvel Cinematic Universe, by the way. He, he brings this new... How do you say it's a youthful element? Now, in the story of uh, Civil War, he hasn't been Spider-Man for that long, so he actually hasn't got the proper costume until someone else decides to give him the new, new costume and new equipment to be this brand new Spider-Man. Uh, but it's interesting to have him in this series now because he's the, he's the youngest actor in the entire group. And so you can see this new angle where you have the Avengers who have been well-established in these past films, and you have this younger guy who hasn't been a hero for so long, but he's a guy who's basically, well, we can assume, who's been watching the Avengers and seeing what their heroic deeds are. So it's great to see that there's this new angle that they're putting into the series of a guy who is growing up with the Avengers in the universe. Uh, Now, we don't know how Spidey gets his powers in this story, but what they do cleverly, unlike, let's say, Batman vs. Superman, they don't dwell on a person's origin story for too long. There's a certain vagueness to it, but the thing is, we already kind of know the story by now. I mean, after two other Spider-Men, I think we kind of get it. We get it. We got bitten by a radioactive spider, he became Spider-Man. And that's what happens in this film. They kind of don't linger on it. You're smart enough as an audience member to know who Spider-Man is. If you haven't read any of these stories or seen any of the games, TV shows, comic books, then you've probably been living on another planet. And welcome to Earth. We like superhero movies. Anyway, his introduction to this film creates this, just, this new physical character because his power set is different in a way, how I put it. They kind of rework Spidey's powers in this film because he hasn't been spidey for too long he hasn't really had let's say official training and they also explain certain things about him like he actually has to focus and his spider sense is there but during a big battle sequence there seems to be times where he doesn't seem to use it but his introduction is fantastic and you watch him on screen and you just want more of him because if you remember in let's say the comic books when he was wisecracking and making jokes he's that spider-man in this movie and it's the best, because he gets to crack wise, swing around, being the guy that you think he should be. And he's the guy, even his costume and everything. I can fanboy out about him for hours and end, because I'm a massive Spider-Man fan from way, way, way back. Trust me. I'm not just saying this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get into a fight about it. But I have quite a, a billion, million Spider-Man comics. So, you know... I can get into a fight about it. I don't know why I want to get into a fight about it, but even my best friend has me as Spidey in his contact list. It's not a long story, but I was a massive fan. I even dressed up as Spidey once for a school dance. And it was a costume thing. It wasn't just me randomly turning up and dressing up as Spider-Man. That'd be crazy. Where was I going? On a tangent. Sorry about that. But anyway... uh. I got caught up in Spider-Man. Sorry about that. But anyway, there are so many other characters involved in this film. And it's great to see them all just just having time. Just time to be themselves and be the character. 
it's the interplay between the personalities with like Ant-Man and Captain America and seeing them bounce off each other. It really fleshes out each single character. Now, the only two characters that weren't involved in this film was the Hulk, because the Hulk's gone rogue and disappeared somewhere else, and Thor, who's basically gone back to Asgard. Uh, Without those two characters, obviously they have to change certain story elements, because, you know, the biggest, toughest guys aren't there. I mean, if those two guys were there, I mean, I'm sure the story would be over within about maybe two minutes. So, it's good that they've decided to go somewhere else. But um, beyond that, it's good to see the characters just bouncing back and forth off each other. It's really great to see those kind of personalities clash, especially uh, during the big, big fight sequence. Now, there's a lot more to this film. I mean, I've barely talked about any of the other characters, like War Machine, The Vision, Hawkeye, but it's just there's so much in this story that's better to go in fresh, and I don't want to spoil for anybody, because there's so much great character development and such certain nuances to characters that you didn't expect. And it's just great going fresh. Even if you've seen the trailers, even though you've seen a lot of the bits and pieces, promos, uh, other press roundups kind of stuff, it's good going fresh because the story is... It holds up. Nothing has been spoiled by the mass media attention to this film. And if you go in there with only just a small bit of knowledge about the Avengers, you're going to still have a great, great time because it's just... It's wall-to-wall story, character development... And just an exciting visual treat. And I haven't seen many of these kind of superhero stories done in this way in a long time. And this movie is going to, I think it's going to last the test of time. It's, it's going to be an interesting film to look back on, like The Dark Knight. It, it, you can look at a film for what it is, and this film tells you a lot more uh, about character relationship. And it doesn't pander to certain fan bases. It just... It, creates a story using the characters that they have at their disposal. It's fantastic. Go and see it. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to me. If you want to find more of me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter, Silent Hamish. You can find me on Instagram as Silent Hamish. Most things with the name Silent Hamish you'll be able to find me on. Uh, or you can find me uh, in other podcasts from the Hitting Play collection of podcasts you can find on iTunes. Or also on Vine as Silent Hamish. Anyway, thanks for listening to me waffle on for the last 15 minutes. And if you must know, I'm Team Cap. Well, that was great. Thanks so much to Hamish for leaving us that great review. Really looking forward to seeing the movie. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this bonus episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, what team you're on, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show, and you can tap to rate us five stars right on iTunes as well. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio, and we are now finally on the Google Play Music app, so check us out there as well. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been a special bonus episode of Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Excelsior! That's so American. I don't know.